Amen. Thank you. Turn with me to First Peter as we continue our series of sermons in uh, the book of First Peter. And this morning we're going to pick up with uh, verse ten, and we'll be looking this morning at verses ten through twelve of First Peter. First Peter chapter one, verse ten. And remember, as we read, this is the word of God. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And that is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us now through your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would illumine your word to grant us understanding, not just with our minds, but in particular with our hearts, that we might apply the truth to our lives and be changed by it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin this morning, I want to remind you that uh, the book of 1 Peter is written to a group of people who were uh, discouraged, despondent, and depressed. They were living as aliens, scattered uh, throughout various places in Asia Minor. They were facing persecution because of their uh, commitment to Christ. And one of Peter's primary purposes in writing this letter was to encourage these discouraged believers. What's most important, however, is how Peter encouraged them. And he encouraged them by pointing them to the gospel or reminding them of the wonderful truth of salvation by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Nothing brings a believer greater encouragement, greater hope, or greater joy than does the truth of the gospel. That's why in the first uh, three sermons from 1 Peter, I focus upon how the gospel gives us encouragement, how the gospel gives us hope, and how the gospel gives us joy. And so the first three titles of my sermons have been Gospel Encouragement, Gospel Hope, and Gospel Joy. And the gospel, of course, is about salvation. And so this book of 1 Peter is all about salvation. I have a a little book in my library. It's called So Great a Salvation. And that's what Peter's talking about here, how great a salvation we have and how our salvation changes us, transforms us. And in particular, in this book of the Bible, how it changes and transforms how we view and deal with the circumstances of our lives. It's because of the gospel, Peter says, that we can have encouragement, hope, and joy even when we go through difficult and very hard times. Peter begins, you might notice, verse 10, by saying this As to this salvation, as to this salvation, what salvation is he talking about? It's the salvation he's already been describing in the first nine verses. That great salvation that Peter says began before the foundation of the world. 
When God chose us to be His people, that salvation that is applied in time by the Holy Spirit when He calls us to saving faith and enables us to embrace the truth of the Gospel and to receive Christ as Savior. And we'll continue on into eternity future. When there in heaven we will spend eternity with Christ forever. Here Peter is describing, I believe, what we might call the mystery of the gospel or the mystery of salvation. He mentions in these verses four different agents that God used in unfolding this plan of salvation to us as his people. And in that he describes what a great mystery salvation is. Those four agents are the prophets, the angels, or excuse me, the prophets, the Holy Spirit, the apostles, and the angels. And so I'm going to work through those four this morning with you as we go through this text. So first we find the ministry of the prophets described for us here in verse 10. And the striking thing about the prophets is how the unfolding of the plan of salvation was a mystery to them even though they were used by God to reveal that plan to God's people. Now what you need to understand is that there's only one plan of salvation that God has had in place from the foundation of the world. And that really again I want you to understand is the beauty of salvation as Peter describes it and that is really what gives us a sense of encouragement and hope and joy is that this plan of salvation was formulated by God again before the foundation of the world and that one plan of salvation continues all the way through history into eternity future. Now along the way as God was unfolding this plan of salvation he raised up prophets to explain, to teach God's people. They were called to prepare God's people to receive the great fulfillment of God's plan of redemption, which, of course, was the incarnation of the Son of God. But as with so many things that were written by the prophets, their message was shrouded in mystery. You know, God opened the door a little bit so they just see people see some of his plan, but he didn't just fling the door wide open so we could see it clearly. You know, we have a hard enough time. Well, I don't know about you, maybe I should personalize that. I have a hard enough time deciphering the message of the prophets this side of the cross. And you can understand the perplexity of God's people as the prophets gave them these messages so many centuries ago. The text says in verse 10, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. They prophesied about grace that would come. Now, you shouldn't make the mistake, as some have done, to think this is only some kind of future grace. A grace that the prophets themselves and the people to whom they ministered really did not experience or grasp themselves. I said a moment ago, there's always only been one plan of salvation. Salvation's always been by grace through faith. 
In the Old Testament, the people look forward to the, the full expression of God's grace and the giving of His Son to be the Redeemer. We look now back upon that same redemption by God's Son. And just as they looked forward to God's grace that would come by faith, now we look back upon that manifestation of God's grace through faith as well. And so the prophets prophesied about this great promise that God gave about the sending of His Son. It's a promise that was first given at the time of the fall of man in Genesis 3 where God told Eve that her seed, the seed of the woman, would crush the the head of the serpent. It was a, be a fatal blow. And over the years, that promise of salvation was expanded and made more clear. But the who and the how and the when for the most part remained shrouded in mystery. That God would do it was clear. But how and when God was doing it was not so clear. Now there are two things about the prophets I want you to notice before we move on. One is that the prophets did prophesy about grace. They did know that salvation was by grace and the giving of God's Son would be an act of grace. The other is, I want you to notice that it says at the end of verse 10, that the prophets made careful searches and inquiries. They made careful searches and inquiries into their own prophecies. It's clear in the text the prophets didn't fully understand what they were saying either. And so they tried to understand what is this message that I'm delivering to these people. And that brings us then to the second agent, which is the Holy Spirit. Because you might be scratching your head and wondering, well, how did these men make these predictions, prophecies, get these messages to God's people? When they didn't understand the full meaning of the messages themselves, it's because those messages were not their own. They didn't come up with these messages by themselves. These messages were given to them by God. Look with me at 2 Peter just a moment. Chapter 1. Flip over a couple of pages in your Bible to 2 Peter. Chapter 1. Verses 20 and 21. Where Peter says this, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. You know, Paul says in uh, his letter to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God. And so the prophets here were told by Peter made careful searches and inquiries into these messages that the Holy Spirit had given to them. Now our understanding of inspiration, that's how we got the Bible. Our understanding of inspiration is not that God somehow turned these men into robots and just kind of like automatons dictated his word to them. 
but rather as they were teaching or as they were writing in their own historical context, God would move within these men so that what they taught or what they wrote was actually the Word of God. That's why you find so much of the author's own personalities coming through in the books of the Bible, why you find so many personal references made in these books, why you find uh, their own grammatical distinctives uh, manifest in these books, is because God used them right where they were in their historical circumstance to minister to God's people and then inspire them through the Holy Spirit to say exactly what God would have them to say So what we have is his holy word. And so the prophets wanted to know, the text says in verse 11, what person or time the spirit of Christ was in them was indicating as he predicted the suffering of Christ and the glories to follow. What they couldn't grasp was that last part. They couldn't put together the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. The prophets had the same problem lots of people have today. And they can't see how the cross leads to the crown. Or how suffering can lead to glory. And so the prophets, as they gave these prophetic messages, you know, Isaiah 53 talks about the suffering servant. And then you come to other prophetic messages about the glory of the Redeemer and the grandeur of the Messiah and how we would come in victory. And that's one of the great mysteries of the Gospel. The title of my sermon this morning is Gospel Mystery. And one of the great mysteries of the Gospel or of salvation is the way it came. You know, the the Jewish leaders in Jesus' day struggled with that, didn't they? You know, they expected the Messiah to come. There was a great Jewish expectation of the Messiah who would come and deliver God's people. But the problem was, their expectation of what the Messiah would be was far different from what the Messiah actually was. And that's why the Jews stumbled all over Jesus. And why they eventually rejected him. Because their expectations based on the mystery of the prophet's message was not what the Messiah turned out to be. You know, even John the Baptist struggled with it. John the Baptist now who saw Jesus in the wilderness and who when he saw him said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world who heard the voice from heaven say, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. But after Jesus became an itinerant preacher, and after John was thrown into prison, he sent messengers to Jesus with this question. Are you really the expected one? Or shall we look for someone else? 
The apostles struggled with it too. You know, they spent more time with Jesus than anyone else. And Jesus told them exactly what would happen to him. That he would go to Jerusalem. That he would suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And that he would be put to death. And only then would he rise from the dead on the third day. But see, that did not match the expectations of the apostles. And so, on behalf of the twelve, Peter spoke up and said, God forbid it, Lord, this will never happen to you. And the closer Jesus got to the cross, the farther they lagged behind. And even some of them went into hiding while Jesus died on the cross. The Messianic problem was a problem for the prophets as well. And so they searched and they inquired and they looked and they studied and they tried to figure out how it would be that the Messiah would both suffer and experience glory, how the sufferings of the Messiah could lead to glory. It was a great unsolvable mystery to them. And the point is that a message like that could only come from God himself through the agent of the Holy Spirit. What did Peter say? No prophecy has ever come through an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit. That's where they got this wonderful, mysterious message. Then third we see how this mysterious message was proclaimed by the apostles. Look at verse 12. It was revealed to them, that's to the prophets, that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, who have now been announced to you, which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The message of the prophets, you see, was not just for them and the people in their day. The message of the prophets was for us and for people in our day. And this side of the cross, we have a completely different understanding of the meaning of the the prophetic messages than did people on the other side of the cross. And that is because we have the message of the apostles given to us in the New Testament that explain to us the plan of salvation and what the prophets meant. We see it fulfilled, don't we? That God sent His Son to be born of a virgin in the village of Bethlehem. That this Son grew up to be a man who lived a perfect life. That this Son fulfilled all the demands of the righteousness of God's law. This Son lived a perfect life life of obedience to his father and his son eventually was rejected by his own his son was hung to die on a cross he was buried in a tomb only to be raised from the dead on the third day and then later 40 days later to ascend to heaven 
and sit on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. All that, folks, is talked about somewhere in the prophets. Mysteriously. It's the apostles who make it clear. Who give us the clear teaching of the work of Christ and the unfolding of redemption. That's the message of the apostles. Beginning with the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. And it's the consistent message preached by each one of the apostles, whether it be the apostle Paul or the apostle John or the apostle Peter. It's the same consistent message. It's the same message that the the prophets gave. Why is it so consistent? It's because it wasn't given by individual men. It was given by one Holy Spirit. It's interesting, isn't it? Verse 11, the prophets tried to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, was revealing to them. And then in verse 12, it is the Holy Spirit who has revealed these things to you through the apostles. That message of hope shrouded in a mystery by the prophets is clearly revealed through the apostles. And what did they say? Remember, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1.15, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. John says, in this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And what? Sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. If you go to the next page in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, Peter says this, And He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, so we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by His wounds you were healed. That is the consistent gospel message proclaimed by the apostles. And then fourth, finally, we, we see the, the desire of the angels. This passage really ends with some rather odd words. It says at the end of verse 12, things into which angels long to look. Well, what are these things the, into which the angels long to look? Well, it's the salvation. They, they long to see and to understand fully God's plan of salvation. You know, angels are rather odd creatures, aren't they? We, we know they exist. We know some of what they do. But to a large extent, angels are something we really don't fully understand. You know, they're not saved like we are because they're not human beings. And they have no sin. They're unique beings. They're in a completely different category from us. They attend God's throne. They serve as God's messengers. They somehow watch over and protect God's people. Angels, you see, are worshipful observers to what God does. And they long to look into this wonderful plan of salvation God has for His people. They know it's wonderful. And they know it's gracious. They know it's marvelous. They just wish they knew more about it. They long to look into it and see it more clearly. And so there's this kind of mystery around salvation, even to the angels. They had this holy curiosity, if you will, about the things of God. 
this deep desire to understand more about this wonderful plan of salvation so they can fulfill their obligation more completely, their obligation, their function to worship and to praise and glorify God. Gospel mystery. There is still an element of mystery to the gospel, isn't there? Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure, something hidden that a man discovers and finds and realizes how valuable it is, realizes it's so valuable he goes and sells everything that he has that, that he might purchase that piece of property in which he found that hidden treasure. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We'll conclude with two texts that describe the mystery of the gospel. Ephesians 3. Verses 8 through 12. Paul says, To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of what? Of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. And then Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, 25 through 27. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, this is Paul, and in my flesh I do share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister, according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery, which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to the saints, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is Paul saying? He's saying the gospel is still a mystery to people. Unless God the Holy Spirit opens their eyes to see the truth of it, they will never be able to embrace it. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? The gospel is what? Foolishness to an unbeliever. It doesn't make any sense to him whatsoever. It's the mystery of all mysteries. And that's where you are today if you're a believer. God has opened your eyes to be able to see the reality of this great mystery which for ages was hidden and now is revealed. He's enabled you to see and to believe, to embrace, to trust the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. That is our evangelistic prayer, isn't it? That God would open the eyes of the blind enable them to see this mysterious truth of the gospel to discover this hidden treasure and embrace it for their own. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much.
for the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that this mystery would be special to us because you have enabled us to see it, to understand it, to grasp it. And I pray it would be real to all of our hearts and lives today. And we pray that you would be in the business, as you are, of opening eyes and hearts to see and receive the truth of the gospel for salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.